Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are watching a master at work. Welcome, welcome, welcome to NFL Trend Zone, the uh, podcast of FranchiseTag.com. <clears throat> I am a writer and editor of FranchiseTag.com, and I'm here with two gentlemen from that website, Wesley Johnson, Jason Bowen, and you know the drill. We're going to talk about all the week's NFL topics and go into fallout analysis, so to speak, on the AFC North and NFC North um, from the 2021 NFL Draft in our series uh, of going through each division. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. That is our sponsor. Uh, BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. For example, the NBA playoffs, which are uh, kicking off right about now, uh, the front runner to win the whole shebang is the Brooklyn Nets, followed by the Los Angeles Lakers, followed by the Los Angeles Clippers, and then the Utah Jazz round out the top four. So if you believe in uh, the Lakers or perhaps the Nets or one of those other two teams, you can slide on over to betonline.ag and put your money where your mouth is. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. On the docket, we have more draft um, analysis. We're going division by division. And then we'll talk about, uh, let's see, probably some Julio Jones stuff, maybe some Tebow um, items. And then we're, we didn't... We didn't uh, touch on Juwan James, which we'll touch on uh, tonight before uh, we get off air. So the first uh, items that will uh, attack from those is the NFC North and the AFC North. I think we'll start with the AFC North. And one of our first uh, talking points that we held over from last week is the, which team had a solid draft within that division. Um, the one that sticks out to me are for the reasons that I've mentioned before on air was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I think the mere fact that they got a solid cornerback in Newsom and then um, JOK from Notre Dame, the linebacker fell all the way to them. Well, was quite remarkable. Uh, he had some heart health scare and that dropped his stock. And throughout the entire mock draft season, JOK was usually a top 20 to 25 pick. Uh, so I'd say, all of the first of all, all of the teams when we get to the weakness parts of this analysis that none of the AFC North teams floundered in my opinion um, and all of them did pretty well but especially the Browns uh, West did anybody outside of the Browns stand out to you for a solid AFC North draft had a, a good draft um, a lot of people were anticipating they go offensive line to help protect Joe Burrow I think they did enough in free agency early uh, signing Riley Reef to kind of uh, give them more options when the draft came around. Uh, they team him up with Jamar Chase, his uh, former cohort at LSU. Uh, adds another weapon to that team. Um, they did address the offensive line in the third round mm -hmm. um, with the offensive guard. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think they've improved a lot. Uh, I know the offensive line was really a weakness for them. I think it was the Cleveland game on a Thursday night last year where they were just getting pummeled. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, definitely beefing up uh, should help them out. And uh, we'll see what um, Burrow does after 0-1 start the season since they played the Vikings. So here we go. <laughs> All right. So I got the Browns and West stays in Ohio with the Bengals. Are you going to double up on one of those, Jason, or do you have a different one? Well, yeah, I mean, I like the I like the Browns as well. I I actually don't like the Bengals one bit. I I, I thought that was you know, God, it was. It, it, but it, it's not that I don't like it. But and we talked about this before the draft even started. Do you take the receiver or do you do you take the tackle? Um, that's where I think I would have went in the other direction. Yeah, me too. Um. But I mean, nothing against Chase. I mean, obviously, that guy's a that guy's a stud. But I love the Browns. I like what they did. It's, I gotta I gotta concur with what you said. That those first two picks are are money, and the second one is just is what I like the most out of there. And I thought the Ravens did okay. Um, you know, I remember when we were 
couple of weeks ago and we were talking about what we thought that they may do or what we heard some rumblings as far as packaging those two picks to yep. potentially trade up for a receiver, which I thought might have been a bit ridiculous. They still got a they still got a good one um yeah. with their first pick and I don't know. All right. So yeah, we got pretty much everybody covered there. Um we usually go through the I guess teams that might have had um, questionable draft and Wes, I don't see any, I wasn't disappointed by, I had to go through and crunch these before our show tonight. And, uh, when I was there in Cleveland, uh, none of, none of what I thought, <clears throat> uh, I didn't think any of these teams turned out to be like, uh, well, what the heck are they thinking? So, uh, perhaps if you don't like running backs out of the first round, you could criticize the Steelers, but they need a running back. Uh, they, they needed one like none other. So, uh, I don't see any discernible, questionable drafts am i missing something yeah i think we stay right with the running back and the steelers um it's tough to run behind no offensive line and that's i think really where they were lacking um they didn't address the offensive line until round three uh they went running back and then tight end um so i i think uh with the um, cap crunch that Pittsburgh was under entering the offseason, um, not having or not uh, drafting offensive linemen early might come back and bite them this year. Um, we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, besides that, there's really, and I don't think that that happens too often where a wholesale division is just like, oh, yeah, pretty good. So, uh, moving right along, the highest value spot taken. Um, it would be tempting to do be duplicative and keep saying JOK. Um, we already know my feelings on that. So I think that uh, I think is it Talon Wallace, the wide receiver. Uh, I believe he was a possible gem for uh, the Ravens, and that was in the fourth round. And they are a team that is going to audition many uh, wide receiver until they figure out who's going to be the almighty target for Lamar Jackson, because right now it's like Sammy Watkins was their big solution. And that's a little curious. And uh, Hollywood Brown, he's fine, but he's already had the audition now to be the guy. And it seems like he might still be that, but hasn't let the uh, set the world on fire. So I do like, is it Talon Wallace for the Ravens as the value pick? Uh, what about you, Wes? That's uh, our value. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, value pick. Um, who, who was the value pick? I, I liked uh, ISM. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the Viking side. Um, shoot. They got, uh, let's see, Friar Moose for the tight ends uh, or for the Steelers. That wasn't too bad. Joseph Asai was a decent uh pluck for the Bengals Asai was sometimes mocked in the second yeah. round and I'll go uh Chris Evans to uh the Bengals he was a sixth round running back uh they lost Giovanni Bernard in uh free agency uh from what I've read on him he's kind of a a one-cut runner and hopefully should be able to step right in and um pick up the Gio Bernard slack behind uh, Joe Mixon. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's stick with that one. Oh, let's see. In terms of picks that were reaches, I think this goes along the same theme that in this, this particular division, most of the selections were solid and I wasn't really left scratching my head on the Friar Muth pick. Um, I don't maybe possibly you can make an argument that that was too high for him on the tight end, but it really feels like I'm uh, grasping at straws just to find something that was wrong. With it. I liked Ben Cleveland, uh, the guard in the third round for the Ravens. And uh, yeah, I, unless you just really want to nitpick on a running back to the Steelers in the first round, that's really the only thing that I would consider a reach. I thought this division really did quite a damn good job. Maybe, maybe across the board, the best or the most consistent, uh, any differing thoughts there, sir? No, I'd have to agree with you on that. Um, uh, out of all of them, I would say Friar Mouth, the tight end in the second round. Uh, I don't know a ton about him, but, um, you know, being, I believe he was the second tight end taken. Um, 
he should be able to produce year one. Um, whether or not that happens, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, I think I don't, certainly there's not a knock on him uh, personally. Besides that episode where we made made fun of his his name, and I think I said he sounded like a a setup pitcher in baseball. Um, but yeah, I think maybe the only knock is it was a little bit high to take him. He could have gone later in the second round or third round. But um, I think it's a testament to this division that we're really scratching our heads to find stuff wrong with it. So kudos to them. Uh, the team that improved most on paper, I'm sticking with the Browns. Uh, I do love the defensive heft that they added to um, the roster. I also think that the the Ravens did well. They they got Bateman, who uh, because he went to the same school that I did, I know more about his career than the rest of this draft class. Like me knowing more about him than my knowledge of the other players. Not that I know more about him than other people. And then uh, Jason Away, who said, "Damn it, my name is Adafe Away." Uh, I thought that was an astute <laughs> pick for uh, the Ravens. Um, so I will say that the Browns, just because I love the home run nature of their first two picks, but I never draft anything kind of like the Colts. I never uh, doubt anything that the Ravens do during a draft because they, they have a track record, at least Ozzie Newsom did of doing smart stuff. So I'm sticking with the Browns. Are you going Ravens or are you sticking with uh, Bengals for improved on paper? No, I'll go with the Browns as well. Um, you know, Browns was the playoff team last year. Um you know, they needed to get better to, to stay relevant with uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Baltimore in their division. And I, I think they were able to do that in free agency and in, in the draft. So, uh, you know, I believe they're set up for success moving forward, uh, not only this year, but in future years, uh, so long as uh, Baker Mayfield continues to, you know, take those next steps. And that's a, a point to call out on the Browns as a whole, because there's, any single person listening to the show tonight is old enough to remember when the Browns were lousy because it was like two years ago. So if you can find the right general management and uh, leadership as a whole, and then you find a coach like Stefanski who within the first year uh, has piggybacked on the little strides that they were making. Um, it's a testament that your organization doesn't always have to be garbage. So, you know, Texans, if you're listening, follow that blueprint of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, when my wife got into football six years ago, she fell in love with the Browns because they were such lovable losers. She always felt bad for them. Um, I think her first or second year of watching football was when they went 0-16. And she was like, how can you not, you know, love these Browns, uh, you know, bless their heart. And now they've roared to legitimacy and when I hear their name, I don't go back and think, well, God, they, they sucked not long ago. I think, damn, the Browns, that roster is sweet and it's balanced. We've talked about balance at length on the show, and I think the, the Broncos and the Browns are two teams that are surprisingly balanced, um, and it's all just hinges on the quarterback play. Baker's more proven the Drew Locke, um, but I am impressed with the Browns and how they uh, quintessentially have turned the franchise around that was absolute garbage not very long ago. We will pivot to the NFC North, and we might talk longer on this one because uh, Wes and I have firsthand knowledge of this division, and there might be a little bias here. I've tried to set that aside. Uh, we are both Vikings fans, but we like to be objective about the NFL product. So in terms uh, with that, with that said, teams that had a solid draft in the NFC North, I will say that uh, – Pene Sewell was an excellent pick for the Lions. Uh, I don't know how to evaluate the rest of the draft class yet um, just because it hasn't played out. And, but on paper, I will give the Bears and the Vikings a, uh, I don't know if I'd say a tie, but I'll give them kudos. Uh, the Bears, all of the draft aftermath fallout depends on if Fields was worthy of a trade-up. I do give them credit for being brazen thinking boldly, um, taking a leap of faith because they notoriously have been uh, devoid of a quarterback outside of Jay Cutler, who was decent, uh, but forever, I mean, forever, the Bears have, have been without a quarterback that is consistent outside of Cutler for a handful of seasons. So I give them credit. I hate doing it, uh, but I give them credit for doing the Fields thing. I thought he was going to slide to the Vikings, which would have made my life very interesting. Um, but then on those same Vikings, they indeed had a solid draft. 
Um, I thought that they might draft Christian Derisaw at number 14, but when they traded back, I thought, all right, well, this is just going to be a contest of stockpiling picks so we can get into the second round, blah, blah, blah. Um, but no, he Christian Derisaw was still there, and the Vikings got two third-rounders, which they flipped into Kellen Mond, a quarterback of the future, hopefully for the Vikings' sake, and then Wyatt Davis, who we will talk about, uh, who I will talk about shortly uh, for high value. So, yeah, I, I cannot say that the Vikings did poorly uh, in the inverse. In fact, I think they did well. Uh, what are your thoughts on a solid draft within the NFC North, sir? Yeah, uh, I think you mentioned it um, uh, first off with uh, Penny Sewell. Uh, I think the Lions actually had a fairly solid draft. Um, I, I think most of the teams in the uh, NFC North um, had solid drafts as well. Vikings, uh, Bears, like you mentioned. Um, Green Bay, not so high on. But um, the the Lions, I, I think with new head coach Dan Campbell, he wants to you know bite knees, bite ankles. Um, the only way to do that is to get stronger up front and win the trenches. Um they went Sewell with their first round pick and then followed it up in round two and round three with uh, two defensive tackles. So um, they, they are looking pretty beefy up front. Um, they, they also added uh, my pseudo sleeper pick, which was uh, Amon Ra St. Brown mm-hmm. uh, wide receiver out of USC in the fourth round, which I had second round grade on him, so uh, yeah. that was a pretty solid pickup. I knew you'd slide one of your uh, your, your college <laughs> guys in there, and that's okay because I agree with you there. Yes, the the Lions were smart in fortifying their trenches. I'm just always skeptical of things that they do because just like the Browns, they are kind of a laughing stock at times, and uh, I guess I'm reluctant to give them credit until they prove me prove me wrong. Um, on let's see. Oh, yeah. And then on uh, Dan Campbell, it, it appears that it's a theme with him, um, like kind of that WWE attitude of saying outlandish things. I don't know if he's trying to grab headlines, but he said something to the effect that he would like to have real lions at the uh, practice. And I didn't hear him physically say that on the microphone. Uh, so it might be out of context that I read that headline. But yeah, he does <laughs> like to, yeah, he likes to say weird stuff. And so if if his team comes out and goes to the playoffs, then he can say that till he's blue in the face, no pun intended. Uh, but right now it just feels like a weirdo who's saying strange things. So uh God, you know, God love him. Um, hey, can you hear me? Yes, thank you for welcoming or coming back, sir. We weren't sure if you were gonna Man, be recaps. Sorry about that, gentlemen. It's all good. We are in the we're in the NFC North and we're on the topic of questionable drafts. And this one is a softball because that is the Packers who were mired in a instant quarterback controversy on the draft's first day. Aaron Rodgers allegedly wanted to be traded. And so uh, they already addressed the quarterback situation here before with Jordan Love. So perhaps he will see some time if Rodgers goes elsewhere. Uh, But in terms of the longstanding desire by Packers fans and NFL pundits, uh, for them to add a wide receiver like that they you know they haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round for decades. They didn't do that again. They they sprung for a quarterback named Eric Stokes who could have gone a lot later in the draft. And I've said before it feels like they're just doing stuff to irk Rodgers, which makes me laugh. So I certainly think that the Packers draft was questionable. But then again, I always have to say in fairness, they are usually a winning football team. So uh, even though they don't sign a whole lot of free agents, their drafts really usually are pretty decent. So perhaps I'm wrong about Stokes. Maybe he'll be excellent, but on paper, he could have been picked later on. Uh, Jason, do you have any questionable NFC North drafts that you want to lift up? No, no, I don't. I don't. I, I, I missed, I think the, the better, uh, the, who we thought were, was good out of the NFC North. I think. Yeah. We, we I, collectively I, went everybody, but the Packers, I said, yeah. uh, uh, the Bears contingent on the fields, how he pans out in the next three years, and then uh, uh, the Vikings with their their trade back, which you've uh, applauded, Jason. So, yeah, they're, uh, besides the Packers, there probably isn't a whole lot of questionable things. Wes, did you want to point out a questionable pick, perhaps? Maybe we can do the, the reach little segment right now. I will stay in, stay with our favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, and I will go with um, Chaz Surratt in the third round. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that he turns into a, a solid player. Um, I just think for, 
the position of linebacker in the third round. Um, you want to get a guy that can come in and immediately fill a role. Um, I don't know if that's going to be anything more than special teams this year. So. Yeah, that one was, uh, I thought they'd get Wyatt Davis at that spot. I think I had uh, somebody or a couple people on Twitter messaging me saying, who's the pick going to be here? And I was saying Wyatt Davis. And then it was Chaz Surratt, who most of us were like, who? And uh, <laughs> and so, you know, then I felt like moronic because Davis was going to go to the next pick to somebody. And then lo and behold, we got him about a half hour later. So I felt a little bit smart. Uh, hey, yeah. Can we can we go back to the the Packers just for a second? Yeah, I, I got a question it. about those those guys. Um because yeah, they, I mean, obviously they're a they're a very questionable um, franchise anytime it comes to the draft. But what what, what uh, pick was uh, Jordan Love last year? Was he in the he was in the twenties, right? Yeah, he was supposed to be a wide receiver that the Packers chose, um, but they said nope, we're planning for life after Rodgers. So yeah, okay, was- yeah. So then what? That, I was trying to figure out what pick that was because. Uh, what receivers were available at that point? Was Jefferson still? Nope. Um, it would have been, I think, Brandon. Um, Ayuk. Yep. I think he was there. Let me see here. Because it, uh, it wasn't anybody that was would have knocked the doors down, right? I mean, they, they could have taken a receiver, but most of the good ones, you know, or at least, you know, obviously they still have a long ways to go to prove themselves, but most of the big ones were gone. I mean, yep. j- the only exception would be T. Higgins. T. Higgins, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, which proved to be, you know, pretty pretty decent pickup by the Bengals. But, um, yeah, I I mean I understand where everybody's like, well, they need to get Rogers these guys, but they always they're kind of like the Saints. I mean, with the exception, mm-hmm. you know, they're always drafting so low in the first. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to really, you know, it's not like they could have gone out and got you know, Judy or Lamb or Ruggs or Jefferson or any of those guys. No, that's correct. Um, even I even misspoke on Ayuk. He went right before um, the Packers selected um, Jordan Love. So it would LaVisca it, Chenault might have been one of them that, that yep. they could have got. Anything else after that, to your point, Jason, uh, a valid one is nitpicking. So they could have got T Higgins, but I don't know. I, I guess there was some first round smoke for him. They could have got. Uh, Chase Claypool, but nobody really knew that he was going to be this, you know, prolific. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there were dudes that you can Monday morning quarterback uh, that would have fit in well there. Uh, but yeah, to your point, they probably would have had to trade up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Instead, they stayed put and uh, prepared for life after Rogers. And the thing that was so strange about that is that nobody saw that coming at all. Uh, I think they were supposed to maybe splurge for a T Higgins. And instead they're like, well, we're just going to take a quarterback. And it was just flabbergasting. So. Yeah. It's not like Rogers was flirting with retirement, like far. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then they didn't even tell him about it. So, so oh that, man, I know that's the goofy park. It's just so baffling. It really yeah. is. But you know, in, in, in getting back, this is the last thing I'll say about it, but you know, Rogers doesn't have weapons. Doesn't have his, I mean, that Devonte Adams was, he sure looked looked like a weapon. <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> arguably, my goodness, probably top three uh, receiver in the NFL. And what a stud! Yeah, Packer fans that tell you top one. So, yeah, in, indeed, he has weapons, but it's always got to be a new reason why they haven't won a Super Bowl, and that's how they sleep at night. Let's, so. let's just give him more money. Did you see the report today? <laughs> Yeah, no, I haven't seen the one today. Oh man, oh geez, that yeah. Now 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 the reports are surfacing that it that it doesn't seem as irre, uh, irreversible their their relationship as as it once did. You know, it's uh, they're talking. There's lots of talks that he used Denver to to get what he wanted, which is ultimately just more money, which is crazy to me. That's just yeah. Be- it's not like, uh, you know, he's struggling and it's not even like remotely close to him being underpaid unless he's jealous of the Mahomes contract. So uh, on value picks, I already said Wyatt Davis. I'm sticking to that. Uh, I do believe he's a day one starter. Uh, if you will recall in the first part of the 2020 NFL season, mock draft uh, wise, you know, one, one of those come out about once every couple weeks in the NFL season. And Davis was going to be like a top 15 pick. And he got abused in, on, in the national championship and then kind of had a, a down season that uh, we think is injuries to blame. But I love him for the Vikings. Uh, I'm glad he was picked there. And then I also want to be fair, uh, Tevin Jenkins, I felt was a, an astute pick for 
the Bears, and he was selected in the second round at pick number 39. So that's what I got for value. Wes, what do you got for value? Uh, for value, I have uh, ISM, a uh, wide receiver from Iowa that uh, the Vikings got in the fifth round. Okay. Um, he can play special teams. He can more than likely take over uh, the wide receiver three from uh, Olabisi Johnson. Um, and it, everything I've seen with uh, from him, he, he looks like a, a polished receiver, um, one that just wasn't used very well in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, you know, Vikings have a gem there. Um. So do you know enough about him, his scouting report, his tape? Like when we talk about grooming him for WR3, will that be something we see in Minnesota relatively soon, or is that down the road? Um, I believe he was a senior. Um, I think the Vikings drafted five or six uh, seniors uh, that, they scouted at the senior bowl. Okay. Um, you typically do that when, you know, you want these players to be ready to play right away. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the juniors, they usually you, you bring them along a little slower. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he, he could overtake, um, uh, Olabisi Johnson, maybe, uh, fourth or fifth game this season. Okay. Um, I, a lot of it will just depend on how, how well his camp goes. If, if he's a rocket out the gate, like uh, Jefferson was last year, yeah. you yeah. just can't keep him on the sideline. I think uh, because Stefan Diggs was found by the same Vikings, the same general manager in the fifth round of the 2015 NFL draft, there's this pipe dream that uh, Vikings fans have that, well, hey, there's a lot of parallels here. Maybe maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll strike gold twice in the fifth round. So I'm curious because he doesn't have a whole lot of stiff competition if they don't sign any free agents between uh, BC Johnson and Chad Beebe. They're, I mean, they're just kind of right. placeholder bodies that, you know, more like the WR4, WR5 type. Um, so... All right, so Jason, what about the uh, NFC North improvement? Which team throughout free agency in the draft between the Lions, Packers, Bears, and Vikings improved? Gosh, you know, and I've said it the last couple podcasts. I mean, the the Vikings, for sure, the Vikings. I mean, I'm looking right now at their their, uh, uh, first five picks, and I love them all. I really do. Yeah. And I, I really love the Kellen Mond pick too. Um, yeah. you know, uh, and I guess the only question that I have with that pick is cause he's, I think he has the opportunity to eventually, it, it, it really depends what they want to do with cousins. So let's just assume that cousins, you guys are Vikings fans and I like cousins. You guys like cousins. He's got a, what a three-year deal right now in place Two. Oh, two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's just assume that he's going to groom and get, you know, and he's going to take over for cousins. Let's just mm-hmm. assume that in a perfect world, that's what happens. So by then he's going to be what three years into his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. And let's just assume he hits the field and he does decent. Mm-hmm. It's going to become time to renew that guy. Right. So assuming he shows enough promise to, to take over the keys, what do you pay a guy like that? Then, if that's the case, yeah. Oh boy. So, d- could, could you get by with paying like a, a that kind kind of quarterback? That let's just say he throws up twenty five touchdowns and and thirteen to fifteen picks, something like that, for the one year that he does get to prove himself. Yeah. Then you could probably pay him like fifteen twenty million a year, maybe. No, I think it'd have to. It depends on how how he actually looks, how much faith he inspires in, in the team and the fans. If, if, if he brings this uh, next level of excitement, you know, because in that season where he threw 25 touchdowns, he shows some clutch aptitude. I think by that time, especially then he would be 25 minimum because the cap's going to keep climbing. Um, So he'd have to be, pretty fledgling almost like a trubisky right now where you're yeah. like you're like yeah yeah he's pretty good to um by that time because right now i consider 20 million dollars cheap for a quarterback uh right. so, yeah. I th- so i think if he shows that he's decent and you know there's 
a pathway for more, then it'll probably be about $25 million. Um, But, you know, it's, it's that bittersweet thing that we hope that he throws 35 touchdowns, and then we do have to break the bank. But even before that, I hope that Cousins has an MVP season, and then I never have to hear about Kellen Mond again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. But uh, well, God, he's had some good years, too, yep. though, Cousins has. And he just they never gets any any respect, that poor guy. <laughs> <Yep>. uh, <laughs> no, but getting back to their draft, I mean, I think you got, you, I mean, with Darisau and Davis, I mean, you get a couple of good day one starters, right? Yeah, and it's so refreshing because uh, we, for the first time in a decade, uh, the Vikings from left to right have an offensive line that seems ready to go, and it's not just sabotaged by these piecemeal solutions. Uh, the, the Vikings like to take a guy who's like a center and say, well, yeah, maybe he'll play right guard. And they flip him over there, and he's not as good, and then he's done with the team within two years. But this year they have dudes uh, that are organically in the spot. Grown. Yeah, yeah, and Ezra Cleveland was a left tackle, um, but I think when they picked him, they were more prone to start him at guard. So, yeah, the entire line has been drafted since 2018 with uh, third round or higher draft capital. So they've that's invested. Wonderful. They've invested. Yeah, they've built it. Now I just have to see if it works. Uh, yeah. That's, that's oh, yeah, it will. And it didn't look good last year, but that's that's fine. It, it wasn't supposed to. Not no, yet. The, the guard play was just atrocious. So yeah, it takes what? time. I mean, it's the same formula that the Cowboys used, same formula that the Raiders used back yeah. when they both those lines were dominant. I love what they're doing there. Yeah. yeah. Wes, is there um, just the Vikings or what team improved before we move on to Jason's rant on Jawan James? <laughs> um, I, the team that also had the good draft for me, uh, the D- Detroit Lions. Um, so you see them improving on paper? Yeah, on paper. Uh, not necessarily this year, enough to you know make noise noise, but um, I think they set themselves up well for future years um this year can kind of be a, a growth year for them um trading for uh, or trading matthew stafford for jared goff and a uh boatload of picks uh will help yeah. um but yeah uh, i i think that you know they might be on the uptick um like the cleveland browns were uh, you know, three years ago. Yuck. I think they had to get Stafford out of there. I think that might've been a hindrance to that team. Yeah. I'm yeah. not talking to the money wise, just maybe just him. Not that he's a bad guy or a bad actor in the locker room, but he was the only common denominator of their ineptitude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, even though he put up uh, the numbers, it just was always the same thing. It'll kind of be like, if the Vikings don't make the playoffs this year, it's going to be that cousins feeling. It's like, God, the guy's good, but the team doesn't go anywhere. So, and, and, and yeah, and that stat that people used to throw at him about garbage time numbers, that's not accurate. I've watched, I watched Vikings games with cousins and he's always been on point. Yep. doesn't matter what part of the game it's on, even in crunch time. Yep. That's uh that's the thing um, about cousins and uh, the garbage time. That's so strange is that indeed when he was with uh, the Washington football team or last year when the Vikings weren't very good, he puts up numbers in garbage time. People understand that he throws touchdowns, but that doesn't disqualify the notion that he also performs well in the middle of games and then in cl- uh, crunch time. So yeah. he, he's pretty darn good in all of those situations. Uh, but when when people see his his numbers up there with Brady's and with Rogers, they get freaked and they're like, oh, no, it's garbage time. It's got to be. And. Yeah, but every quarterback has garbage time. And so Cousins performs well in all three modes of the game. Garbage time, clutch time, and middle time. Uh, and that's the, that's the, I, I spent a lot of time chatting with folks about that, uh, you know, in very varying degrees of uh, politeness. Uh, so let's see. Let's transition into anti-non-draft stuff. You've been chopping at the bit, Jason. So Juwan James was an offensive line signee a couple of years ago for the Broncos, got paid a boatload, boatload of money. And now he doesn't play for them anymore. And that era ended sour. So what the hell happened? And it's, it, <laughs> you know, I, I'm still to this day bewildered about what went on there. Um, you know, it turns out that we had a, uh, a Dolphins um, strength and conditioning coach that that Elway had had on the roster at that time. And I think he's still on the roster, to be honest with you. And, and uh, there was a lot of rants about, well, God, you know, I mean, I, you'd think that Elway would have done his due diligence and asked this guy because he used to 
coach in Miami. You know, is this guy worth the worth the deal? Or yeah, Elway didn't even ask him. Elway didn't even ask him. So we just found that out. Um, yeah. So what was it? Fifty five million. We got sixty three snaps out of the guy. Uh, got hurt his first game Monday Night Football against the Raiders. Down he went. Uh, <laughs> he apparently tried to come back nine or ten games into it. Down again he went. Following season, Fangio didn't even want to put him in. Uh, didn't want to rush him. He was cleared and ready to play. But he's like, what are we doing here? This guy is making $20 million. Yeah. Um, apparently, he had some injury issues over in Miami. And when we took him on and signed him, the, the Dolphins laughed at us. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the guy until we got him. But I thought, well, maybe, I mean, he's young. He, when he's healthy, he is a good, good tackle. Um, can't blame Elway, I guess, for trying to fix that side of the ball, but yeah, it was a waste of time, waste of money. Um, and it, it was one of those feelings like a, like a Sam, Sam Bradford that I've mentioned before this guy purposely, it felt like he was doing this purposely. And then last year, obviously he opted out due to COVID for family reasons. Nobody can fault him for that, but in the grand scheme of things and people lump it all together, you know, they're like, well, does this guy even want to play football? <laughs> is he even hurt yeah so the the deal with him um is that as a right tackle with the dolphins he strung together some pff seasons of 2016 a 75.1 the following year was a 69 even and then the year before the broncos was 72.4 so he was a pretty good right tackle and so uh i think the broncos got hoodwinked into thinking like, okay, we'll bring him here and then he'll grow even more under our tutelage. And then we'll have that side of the line locked down. And then it's just all this weird, these oddities that, you know, <laughs> what's the deal with him. And so, yeah, now, uh, poor guy, now he's hurt, hurt. And, uh, I mean, he's still got a bunch of money. Uh, now he'll have to wait quite some time before he tries to, you know, make a reclamation of it. Yeah, it's too bad. It really is a sad deal all around because you you just made some great points. I mean, the guy was great. You I mean sign him at the time to the richest <laughs> offensive line contract? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, Wes, do you have any thoughts on James? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not necessarily on James the player. Um, I know it it sparked this big um, battle between the NFL and the NFL Players Association uh, due to. Uh, James working out uh, offsite uh, away from the team. Um, the team they can they can and I believe they did uh, void his contract uh, due to this injury. Um, and I, I know for the players' association, they their big point was this is a year of COVID. Um, a lot of people are having to work out, you know, isolated in a, in a sense. Um, so, you know, what, what's the big deal? Uh, I know we saw earlier in the, the summer uh, or the spring, uh, all these teams uh, or all these player representatives from the teams made statements uh, saying that, you know, they wouldn't be attending offseason workouts. Um, now, I believe I saw... Earlier today, um, they're having kind of record turnouts. I, I believe um, Tampa had maybe like 90% attendance or, or something crazy like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think with the James injury and the resulting contract being nixed um, kind of scared these players straight, and um, a lot of them are starting to show up now. The, um, yeah, it, I just want to chime in one quick thing on that. I understand where they're coming from on that in terms of, you know, even Mahomes tweeted something out there about, you know, kind of, but it, if it was anybody but James, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, if we're talking like Garrett Bowles, right, mm -hmm. the guy that, that's been there, that's done, that just put in all the work and that's, you know, if it would have happened to him, they Denver wouldn't have done what they did. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they had a personal like vendetta against James, 
But I mean, come on, the guy hasn't played in three years. Yeah, it was probably the ultimate eye roll when they got news of that. Like, all right, no, we're done. This we're is good. our out. We're we done. Can yeah. Finally, cut our losses with this guy. <laughs> I mean. You know, and and if you're James, even too, you would think that you, in my mind, right? I'm not him, but in my mind, I would think that I would still, I would come out and say, hey, that you know, I, I, it just didn't work out in Denver. I, I appreciate the opera. I, I, I wouldn't feel right accepting, you know, <laughs> money. I mean, Jace, we're gonna pay you for three years worth of work. You're only gonna work one week. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't feel right about that. Yeah. I no, mean, if they, if they would have held on to him, he would have played three games in three years. And that's just a huge price tag. Uh, the other nugget on, on these matters that arise between um, the NFL and then the players union, like just like this one, um, they're going to be won by the NFL. They're always going to be won by the NFL because these are collectively bargained um, in advance. So when we, when we get, in that limbo of God, we might have lockouts and then everybody gets, sits down at the table and they hash out details like this. These aren't like interpretive whimsical, like, well, yeah, maybe we'll just uh, not pay this guy this week. These are things that are ironclad and written down. And if the NFL can point to something, you know, a matter of law and say, this is what we've already agreed on. um, The NFL is going to win these matters and, come the next collective bargaining agreement, then the players will have the platform to say, yeah, remember that time you guys screwed Juwan James? We're going to fix it this time. Uh, right. But th- these, uh, you know, I never... you somebody else other than Juwan James? <laughs> God, I mean, come on, Pat Mahomes. Are you really sticking up for Juwan James, dude? Yeah, it's 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 a union. Yeah, uh, no, I hear you. But so that the NF, uh, the Players Association is was basically advocating that, no, wait, wait, you know, he, you guys told us to work out away from the building and now you're not going to pay it. Yeah. Right. You should still pay it. Yeah. No, it's uh, I, I, I almost always side with the players union on, on items, but I understand why they rarely win in, uh, you know, off season things like this is because it's, it's not, uh, you know, let's have a meeting of the minds and decide who's right. It's pointing to text that's already been agreed upon. Yeah. It's it, it just like a lawyer would, you know, if NFL yeah. can get away with something, they're going to say like, look at the law and here we are. So, all right, before we hop you, off, you know air, what's going to happen, yeah. too. Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, James is going to sign with Kansas City uh, for like a, a one or two year deal at like three million per. Money. Yeah. And and he's just going to torment and terrorize <laughs> the Broncos. Oh, man, that's that's what Mahomes is was uh, pushing for. They're going to get him. Be Rimmer's replacement. Yeah. And then he's going to do just awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's how Mike Hughes, the Vikings cornerback, um, was oft injured, and he was a first-round pick, and he was traded to the Chiefs uh, since we last were on air. And I don't think that will happen, but I do have this fear, like you're talking about, Jason, this nagging fear that they're getting a 24-year-old cornerback with tremendous upside that gets to Kansas City, and boom, he's healthy all of a sudden. And we're stuck with uh, sixth-round dick in our hands, thinking like, oh, Okay. Yeah. Of course, of course that happened. And dude wasn't even hurt when he played for my team. On the Tim Tebow stuff to me, I'll hash this out. So it's the urban Meyer connection. Tim D Tim Tebow likes trying all this different neat stuff like commentary and baseball. And now he wants to play tight end. And the, the Jaguars said, sure, we'll give it a shot. I consider him a camp body. I don't know if it's for publicity or if it's Urban Meyer just trying to be nice to his old buddies. Um, but I, I just I don't think he'll make the team, and I, I just I'm sick of seeing it already. Uh, and I I liked him, and just as you did, Jason, the year that they they beat the Steelers in the playoffs, it was such a sweet story. But we talked about last week or two weeks ago that even Elway knew that the guy wasn't very good. And just it was just <laughs> incredible a string of events. So. Uh, do you guys think he'll make the team? I do. Uh, I do think you? he'll wind up on the 53-man roster. Yeah, really? Yeah, I, I think he'll probably have a role similar to that of Taysom Hill. <laughs> um, he's going to the tight end camp that um, Kelsey and all these other tight ends are organizing. Uh, he got an invite. So um, I, I think he's a you know, good locker room guy. Um, obviously he knows urban Meyer's system very well. Um, yeah, I, 
I I see it happening. Do I I think it's deserving? Probably not, but I, it, it's just one of those things where it it's too crazy not to happen. It's weird enough. To, yeah, just what yeah. did he do though as a tight end? What what is he gonna do? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, what you gotta? I don't know. I, I I just every time I think of him, I just remember him walking across the field when he was with the Jets shirtless. <laughs> and, and, and the media was just all over him for like yeah. that whole training camp, man. It was a circus out there. Yeah. And, and for perspective for the <laughs> listeners, that was eight years ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's in his mid thirties now. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, 32. there's like probably 16, 17 year old uh, NFL fans. They're like, who is this guy? They keep talking about <laughs> like why they cut like, this. Well, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, Oh my goodness gracious! The last thing I want to ask more, you guys, more, more time has eclipsed between the last we saw him and today, than than in between Dr. Dre's first two albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that will continue <laughs> to amaze me. Um, yeah, and I remember it clear as day. And like the then it was the Patriots. He was going to go there, and Belichick was going to mold him like a fine clay, and then baseball, and then he's going to. You know, call college He's, football game and just I, go back to college yeah. football just yeah. call that he was doing a great job and he looked good doing it yeah I mean, yeah. yeah i thought he'd find his niche the last thing is a little bit of a wild card um but it should be a, a softball um so adrian peterson is a free agent and mm. he i've talked to him before on my viking show and he would like to join a super bowl contending team that's more important to him than the rushing record or so he says uh so the, since he left the vikings He's just spent times with these garbage franchise. Uh, he went first to the Saints, but that didn't work out. That's not a garbage franchise. Uh, but he got traded after a couple games, and he went to the Cardinals when they were still bottom feeding. And then his next stop was the Washington football team for two seasons. And he actually got a lot of touches there and kept that total yards uh, ticking upward. And then last year, out of nowhere, he got cut, and then he went to the Lions. So he goes from bad NFC team to bad NFC team. And I think he's seeing the light that maybe he, you know, at age, boy, 36 coming up, that he probably needs to get on a Super Bowl contending team, which he hasn't really been on um, for five years, and someone wouldn't even consider the Vikings that at that time. Uh, so it's been a long time since he's been relevant. Do you guys see him signing on with a Super Bowl contending team? And if so, who? Wes? Yes, I do. Um, who? Uh, I will say the New England Patriots. Um, I don't know if necessarily they'll be Super Bowl ready with Cam Newton at quarterback, but I think that defense will be vastly improved and with Belichick and the defense, you can't ever count them out. So I, I could definitely see him uh, in New England. Do you remember the uh, West? Was it probably four or five years ago when that rumor was out there? But it sounded like, holy crap, the Patriots right. will get Adrian Peterson. And right. now, now it doesn't sound all that cool. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> That'd be kind of neat. But I remember that rumor vividly thinking like, oh, boy, him and Brady together. Yeah. And now it's, it's Cam and Adrian. Uh, any any thoughts on Adrian's 2021 placement, Jason? Yeah. Hey, why not just bring him into Tampa? Yeah. That's kind of what yeah. I think that he'll look around and say, gosh, maybe the Chiefs. Maybe uh, I think I think he'll go to one of those spots. But then uh, his trade off for not playing on a garbage team, well, that he'll hardly see the ball. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? That maybe he'd be OK with that. I don't know. I mean, what well, it I, I haven't watched him play a whole heck of a lot recently. Anyway, is he st- what has he got left? Um, He he can still find the end zone that uh, he still has his fastball there. Um, but he's, I mean, it's been the last time that he was damn good was 2016 and people forget he, uh, won the wait no 2015. Yeah. 2015. He won the rushing title that year. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And that's what propelled the Vikings along with a decent defense to the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, it's been quite a while. So yeah, he's just kind of a, would it glorified RB two, maybe RB three, like, you know, all things equal West. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he showed some flashes in Detroit. Um, I believe they had a few injuries, and I think it was like weeks, maybe four, five, and six. He he showed flashes of 
you know, they Adrian Peterson of old, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I would see him as a wide receiver. Uh, sorry, a running back too. Uh, Kansas City would be another one. Um, he could spell uh, Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. Uh, Seattle too. Um, oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. He he's uh limited. In, well, the eternal knock on Adrian Peterson is he could never really catch the football, nor did he really care about blocking. Mm-hmm. And somehow, because of his name recognition and his ability to churn up yards via handoff, he's always kept a job. Um, but uh, I, I remember having to defend him uh, at his prime, um, you know, when he tried to start to mention him around uh, amongst the all-time greats, people would immediately throw in my face, well, yeah, he doesn't block. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> no. he's breaking off home run touchdowns like I've never seen in my life. And I don't yeah. care. At that it point, was just, really, really that was, special. That was watch. the trade off was yeah. that I don't really care if he can't block because he'll score a 45 yard touchdown like that. And so, yeah, it was yeah. awesome watching him. Yeah. I, 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 I remember when he was with the Saints and he was just <laughs> staring at yeah. Peyton on the sideline. Remember how bad he looked? Yeah, I had <laughs> oh, to. Man. I was driving home from Minneapolis because that was against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. And I, I remember my wife uh, was showing me the clip. You know, we were back in about uh, we were in about Wyndham and she was like, I look at him just giving the this spooky look to Sean Payton. And I was like, my goodness. And I think they tried to backtrack and be like, yeah, that wasn't aimed at Payton. And I was like, yeah, OK, <laughs> right. Yes, it was. He was hot. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We'll leave on this note, and Wes, you'll remember this. Like that was always such a, a weird marriage. Like they they took a run only running back and took him to a team that had rookie Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, yeah. and said we're gonna ha- we're gonna showcase Adrian Peterson, or so they thought they would. But when Adrian gets in a football game, even before he started to decline physically, everybody knew what was going to happen. It was either going to be a play action or it was going to be a handoff. Right. And uh, he wasn't going to jump out and you know catch a pass. Uh, and then so when he went to the Saints, it was like, oh, here come Kamara's coming off the field. Here comes a run. It was so <laughs> obvious what they were going to do. And so, and then that first Monday night game, he wanted revenge on the Vikings because that was the right. first game of his life that he played without a purple helmet on. And uh, I was driving up there thinking, oh, Christ, here comes the revenge game. The first game Adrian Peterson plays outside of the Vikings, he's playing against the Vikings. And so I was expecting this just dastardly 220 yards, three touchdowns. And then he got like four touches. And it, right. was, it was crisis averted. So, so mad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a death stare. So. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with our division uh, series on draft analysis and that week's topics. Uh, as always, we are presented by uh, betonline.ag. Uh, anything else tonight, gentlemen? That's it. All right. Peace. Oh. You are watching a master at work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.